Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is found exclusively here on Chairshot Radio Network. I am Mags, and um, unfortunately, Real Laugh uh, has, uh, has kind of dealt Badlands a blow this week. Uh, obviously, um, we spoke last week about uh, Ray Rance and his, uh, and his uh, Real Life issues, uh, so he's uh, obviously not here today. But also, uh, Mr. Toller, in a stock cube related incident uh, has had to uh, has had to welch on this recording uh, so um, get well soon Mr. Tyler uh, feeling feeling a little bit under the weather um, but essentially that means you've got got just me uh, and um, my kind of thoughts on uh, Tolly's um, Tolly's topic from last week which was what if the ultimate warrior um, was a success as WF champion um, obviously, when uh, Toller and Ray are back, we'll we'll kind of get their viewpoints on it. But it gives me a chance to kind of get my my viewpoints down on this without uh, the uh, the diminutive little Welshman uh, sticking his oar in. Um, so yeah, for for those wrestling fans who who don't know the story behind Warrior and only heard the kind of rumours uh, and innuendo, I'll fill in with a little bit of a backstory. So uh, Jim Helwig, uh, he started as a um, amateur bodybuilder, pretty successful at it. And uh, after about a year or so of going to these amateur tournaments, he was invited to join a group of bodybuilders who were looking to form a pro wrestling team. So after that invite, he uh, he dropped his uh, his aspirations of being a chiropractor and a professional bodybuilder to uh, essentially throw himself into the the crazy world of, of professional wrestling. Uh, and in less than three years, uh, Mr. Helwig had made his way to the biggest promotion in the world, the WBF, uh, following st- uh, spots in the CWA, uh, Universal Wrestling F- uh, Federation, and world-class uh, championship wrestling. Uh, in, in his f- uh, first year in WBF, um, he showed a hell of a lot of potential. Vince uh, really kind of saw something uh, unique in him. And he ran through uh, a series of jobbers uh, and really kind of excited and, and enthralled the crowds with his, his high-octane, unique, energetic entrances uh, where he would essentially full-on sprint to the ring, uh, violently shake the ropes. Uh, he had his own version of the, the hulking up uh, where he would, uh, he would be able to withstand the attacks of his opponents. Um, and... 
usually would have the the almost kind of Goldberg style matches where uh, two three minutes he was in beat down on his opponent and away he went. And what kind of set him apart from a lot of the the wrestlers uh, of that era was his his bright ring gear, the tassels around his arms, the colourful face paint and the body paint, uh, the body that looked like it was absolutely carved from granite. He essentially looked every single bit the the kind of late 80s, early 90s WF superstar, kind of like a, a large and laugh superhero. So he uh, quickly settled into feuds with Rick Rude and then a, a mini feud with Hercules where he snapped Hercules' chain and then a, a, a little run with Bobby Heenan as the weasel. Uh, and he was then pushed into the, the Intercontinental title picture, kind of like back then it was the stepping stone to the world title and kind of the, the workhorse uh, championship. Ironic that uh, somebody with as limited wrestling acumen as Warrior was pushed into, into that division. Uh, but he ended up uh, breaking the, the record-setting title run of uh, the, the Honky Tonk Man in a 27-second uh, uh, squash match, meaning the Honky Tonk's uh, reign as champion, I think, was 454 days. Um, that was at the first ever SummerSlam, and he claimed that title. He ended up that, that same year captaining... Um, uh, and being the sole survivor of his own um, Survivor Series team, which was was a big deal for for a relative newcomer in the company, and it was clear he was being primed for for a main event uh, position. Uh, Nineteen eighty nine come round, and the, this this year was a, a a year that cemented his his status in the company. He kept hold of the IC title up till WrestleMania uh, 5, lost it to Rick Rude, uh, then got it back at the next pay-per-view, SummerSlam, and then he actually came out on top in a feud with uh, with Andre the Giant uh, that uh, ended with the two being opposing captains at Survivor Series in town. And yet again, Warrior was the victor and the sole survivor for his team. So uh, two years in a row, he's been the one who stood tall at the end of the match. Um, and then when we get to 1990, we see that Warwick being kind of proud for a, a feud with uh, then WWF champion Hulk Hogan. So the seeds were planted around the Royal Rumble when uh, we get a little bit of a face-off. Uh, Hogan went on to win the Rumble and then the WWF went into full promotion mode, uh, wanted to push... Um, the, the match between the two biggest stars that they had at the time, uh, Ultimate Warrior, the Intercontinental Champion, and um, Hulk Hogan, the, the WWF Champion. So we get to WrestleMania 6, where the, the, the Ultimate Challenge match uh, took place, and at the time, WrestleMania did absolutely uh, gangbuster numbers, and it seemed that we get a, a passing of the baton, almost from babyface to babyface, uh, when Warrior beats Hogan to retain not only his Intercontinental title, um, but also to go ahead and uh, win that WWF Championship, uh, which would ironically uh, be for the first and only time in his in his career. Then after Mania, Warrior would revisit the, the feud with his long-term rival, Rick Rude. He'd have a, a, a spat with uh, Ted DiBiase, and he would end up teaming up with the Legion of Doom against uh, Demolition. And then again, at the third year running, he was the captain and sole survivor uh, for his team at Survivor Series. 
But then in the beginning of like 1991, um, real world issues uh, in in the Gulf inspired a, a WF storyline that would uh, eventually see Warrior drop the WF title. Uh, uh, Vince wanted to capitalise on the huge headlines that was being made from the uh, Iraqi invasion of Kuwait uh, and the subsequent Gulf War and Operation Desert Storm. So he and uh, his uh, creative team made the decision to have popular babyface and real-life uh, G.I. Joe uh, figure, Sergeant Slaughter, turn heel on, on America and uh, start sympathising with the Iraqis. And then with uh, a little bit of interference from Randy Savage to kind of uh, um, push Warrior's next feud, uh, Slaughter would go on to win uh, the WF title from Warrior at the 1991 Royal Rumble uh, before he he dropped it to real American Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7. Um, Warrior would would, uh, would face Savage at 7, beating him in his... Uh, in a career-threatening match before teaming back up with Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam to finally uh, put to bed the Iraqi supporting uh, force. But in that build-up to uh, SummerSlam, Warrior was also involved in another uh, feud with uh, with The Undertaker and with Jake Roberts, uh, where Jake offered to help Warrior to learn about the dark side so he could go toe-to-toe with The Undertaker. Um, Jake then uh, tested Warrior with uh, three three tests. So first he locked him in a coffin to see if he could uh, cope with uh, with the darkness. Then he um, he was buried alive, uh, and then finally Jake had a Ultimate Warrior enter a room full of snakes uh, to look for a chest in the middle of the room. And when Warrior found this chest and, and opened it. Um, he was bitten by uh, a spitting cobra that was uh, hidden in the chest, and uh, as as he was uh, foaming at the mouth and and kind of getting reacting to the the venom, uh, Jake revealed that he and Undertaker were in on this from the start. But we never actually got any um, resolution to this storyline uh, because uh, not long after uh, SummerSlam. Uh, Ultimate Warrior was suspended from the company uh, after he made several financial demands to Vince about payoffs, uh, including the WrestleMania payoff. Uh, He no-showed some events. He threatened to no-show SummerSlam, so Vince paid him to make sure the show went ahead, and then subsequently he uh, he was suspended pretty much the day after. Um, Vince would return to uh, to Warrior uh, when Hogan was set to leave the company in, in 1993. Um, Warrior ended up coming back at WrestleMania 8, uh, but by the time Survivor Series came around that year, uh, he was out of the company. Again, uh, financial demands and uh, threats to no-show uh, events um, was was the final straw, and Vince uh, Vince cut uh, Ultimate Warrior from the company. Um, we would eventually see him come back uh, a couple of years later, uh, final uh, four-month run in the company where he came and essentially squashed Hunter Hearst Helmsley at WrestleMania 10, had a feud with Goldust over the Intercontinental title, uh, and had a spat with uh, Jerry Lawler before he was eventually released again um, for, for no-showing events. So that is kind of like the backstory of... Uh, 
Ultimate Warrior and his uh, dalliances with the WWF. Obviously, he then went on um, to appear on the Indies, had a, a run in uh, WCW where he got his uh, rematch with Hogan and eventually made his way back to uh, the WWF uh, to be entered in the Hall of Fame after a lot of animosity. And unfortunately, after he, uh, he did his uh, farewell speech on Raw after WrestleMania, uh, he ultimately passed away. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a sad end to what was a, an extraordinary laugh in the world of wrestling. But when um, when I went to kind of look into this story, I didn't think there was much meat on the bone, to be fair. Um, but once you start kind of delving into the career and the numbers and the, the kind of um, the, um, the fan love that this, this guy had... Um, I ended up asking myself whether Warrior was actually a, a failure as a champion. Now, if you take the WWF rhetoric, especially with the the kind of uh, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD that was put out uh, a few years ago uh, and the way he's kind of been portrayed uh, uh, with, with kind of um, post... Uh, um, new generation era as I suppose uh, you would think that it was an absolute flop uh, in terms of uh, in terms of drawing power and in terms of uh, uh, fan uh, fan appreciation and whilst it was true that audience numbers were dwindling at the time um, I don't know if that can solely be placed on those shoulders of warrior uh, firstly, those numbers were dwindling uh, at the back end of that that run that Hogan had had, and he certainly wasn't the the huge superstar that he was in perhaps the the, the mid to late eighties. Um, and whoever took that kind of spot from Hogan was always going to struggle to uh, live in the shadow of, of Hulkamania. Um, looking uh, at the Barretts, um, I think that that Warriors are. Uh, Warriors short-lived time on the top more than held its own. Um, so before we go into those uh, numbers, I uh, just want to give a quick pause and uh, uh, be able to pay those bills. Um, so definitely go and check out uh, the chair shot uh, and Tees app. Uh, I know Pro Wrestling Tees have had a, a torrid time of it uh uh, recently, uh, but definitely go and check out some of the amazing T-shirt designs that we have over there. It helps keep the lights on over here at, uh, at Chairshot. It helps us provide this content for you every single day uh, for free. Uh, and whilst you're there, please check out the, the Chairshot.com. It's an absolutely amazing resource for opinions, news, analysis, um, podcasts, uh, written pieces. Yeah, everything that you want in, in terms of wrestling content, you can certainly find it over there at the chair shot. So please go and check them out. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back uh, to Badlands. And yeah, let's uh, let's get into those uh, those um, st- numbers and statistics. So let's go to SummerSlam 1990, which was uh, the first event with Warrior as uh, as champion that got a hundred uh, five hundred and seven thousand bars. So this was down from the previous year, um, which got six hundred and twenty five thousand bars. But if you compare it to the next SummerSlam, um, which is the the um, match made in heaven, match made in hell, SummerSlam uh, with Hogan um, and Warrior versus the Sympathizers, um, and with Savage and um, Miss Elizabeth having their wedding. Um, that that figure was actually four hundred and five thousand uh, bars. Now you would, um, if you would believe the kind of rhetoric and the history, you would think that that was the the way bigger SummerSlam but yeah uh, it got almost a uh, uh, hundred just over a hundred thousand bars less than the 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 one where Warrior was the was the the, the champion then we we'll go forward to 1992 the, one of the most infamous SummerSlams uh, the one from Wembley Stadium uh, headlined by Bulldog and Bret Hart for that uh, in that epic for the RC title that actually only got 280,000 bars now um, I understand that that's because of uh, of logistics of it being a, a UK show and it being shown at uh, a, a very um, unorthodox time in in the US. But again, it's still um, a huge show and really kind of revered in in the annals of wrestling history. But it got almost half of the bars that uh, that uh, Warrior on top in in SummerSlam nineteen ninety got. So then let's fast forward to, uh, to Survivor Series. Uh, Survivor Series 1990 with a, with a Warrior as, as champion. Uh, that got 400,000 bars. And this was actually up on Survivor Series 1989 uh, by 15,000. That got 385,000 bars. But then you fast forward uh, to the next SummerSlam, which actually headlined with Hogan versus Undertaker uh, for the title. The bar rates dropped to 300,000, so they lost 25%, 100,000 bars. Um, Then finally, let's uh, compare Royal Rumbles. Uh, 1991 was the Rumble where Warrior um, was champion, lost his title to Sergeant Slaughter, and it was also the the Rumble where Hogan went on to win. Um, That got 440,000 bars. Uh, which was well up from the 1990 uh, Royal Rumble, which also saw Hogan win, uh, obviously leading to that uh, 
the, the match between Warrior and Hogan at WrestleMania 6. The barrier for the 1990 Royal Rumble was 260,000. And then by the time we rolled round to uh, the next Royal Rumble, 1992, arguably the greatest Royal Rumble ever, uh, with Ric Flair uh, winning the title uh, by winning the, the, the Royal Rumble match. That only got 260,000 bars. So I think almost half of what... Uh, the, the Royal Rumble got when uh, when Ultimate Warrior was on top. Um, so these kind of figures, for me, fly in the face of, of Warrior uh, being a flop, especially financially as a champion. But I do feel that there are several factors to why um, the run of the Warrior um, wasn't as successful or what doesn't uh does it get looked upon as being as successful as as perhaps it could have or perhaps it should have um so i want to go through uh a few of those points and it's kind of a, a different uh slant on uh standard uh badlands that we've we've uh we've uh, come to have on this show normally i would kind of uh, try and run a timeline uh but for me, I think the, um, going through the the details of, of Warrior and his runs in in WWF and what could have changed had a, had decisions gone different ways, I think it, it's more kind of pertinent to to talk about the the issues that went wrong and and kind of sum it up um, at the end, uh, which is what I'm going to attempt to do. Um, so please bear with me. Uh, so the first point I think that was a, an issue was that he, Warrior, as a character, didn't connect with teens and adults in the same way that he connected with the younger audience. Uh, the kids, the pre-teens, absolutely adored Warrior because he was this over-top, colourful, kind of superhero-style character. Whereas uh, teens and adults certainly didn't have that uh, that same feeling towards him, and certainly didn't share that that feeling that they had with Hogan. Hogan had this unique appeal to almost every demographic of of the wrestling fan base. Kids looked up to him as a as a hero. Teens adored him as somebody to aspire to, a, a really kind of a um, honourable figure. Adults loved the unashamed good guy Americana of, of Hulk Hogan and the, the older generation there Hogan was was like the 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 link to wrestling path for them. So he had a real kind of a, a cross demographic appeal where I think Warrior just didn't have that. He had uh, a very significant kid uh, appeal. Uh, but that didn't necessarily translate as you go up through the generations. So the second point, uh, and I think this is going to be one that may be contested by by Ray and uh, Paul when we hear their viewpoints on, on this topic, uh, was um, I don't think the, the baton pass from Hogan worked properly. Um, for me, it felt that face and face title matches uh, they just didn't seem viable at establishing a new star at the top of the company, especially when you consider who one of those faces were. So you look back at previous moments that have, have kind of cemented wrestler statuses in the WWF. So you look at Hogan at, at WrestleMania 3. Um, slamming Andre the Giant was absolutely huge for him in, in, in the concept of, of the WWF. But before that, he'd he'd already been champion. He didn't. Uh, this wasn't his kind of a ascent to uh, 
to the WF title. This was um, this was more uh, a, a WrestleMania moment for him. Then you go to uh, WrestleMania Five, uh, where Macho Man um, finally proved he could go toe to toe with uh, with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, granted he lost, but it was in one of the the best matches uh, up to then uh, that the WF had put on. But he again had already been WF champion. He'd won the title at a previous WrestleMania, so I think that giving um, giving Warrior his first taste of WF title against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania uh, meant that he had to instantly fill those boots uh, that that were being left by Hulk Hogan rather than kind of cement his already kind of established legacy uh, as WF champion by beating Hogan. I think throwing all those factors in at once, um, it left him a lot to live up to. And it, it, from... Um, from looking back at it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like he was able to do that. So then the third point uh, for me, uh, and this is a huge issue, and it's one that we we see time and time again, is that Hogan didn't go away after after the loss. Uh, in the aftermath of this baton being passed, um, Warrior should have been able to have his time in the sun to kind of get out of that that uh, shadow of Hulkamania. But fortunately. Hulk Hogan being Hulk Hogan, that shadow lived on. Uh, Hulk went straight into a feud with Earthquake and then uh, led into a storyline where he was considering retiring and that the, the the viewers were asked to send letters and postcards in, in order to convince Hogan to stick around. Uh, and by the time we get to SummerSlam of that year, Hogan's back as a full-time wrestler. Uh, so Warrior wasn't given his, his time to shine at the top of the company before the, the focus was shifted back onto Hogan. And yet again, and as we'd see further in his career, Hogan found a way to stay in the limelight by stunting another person's uh, day in the sun, essentially. Another major sticking point, and point number four on, on my list, is that um, essentially... Hogan had already beaten everybody. So by the time uh, Ultimate Warrior came in and had the ultimate challenge beating Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, there was nobody really viable to step up to, to Warrior to be his 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 next feud. And uh, when you have that that first run as a champion, you need uh, you need a really strong first feud to cement yourself as as um, Someone who deserves to be champion, someone who looks relevant as a champion. Ultimate Warrior just didn't get that. Uh, Hogan had already pretty much beaten every heel, and the only heel uh, that would have looked viable at the time was the Earthquake. And who went into a, a storyline with Earthquake? Mr. Hulk Hogan. Um, so that this meant whoever Warrior faced, poor Hulk Hogan didn't have the, the the star power or didn't have the gravitas to uh, to legitimise Warrior as world champion. Uh, which then kind of like fades straight into point number five that Warrior had really poor post-WrestleMania booking. Um, so, as I said, going hand-in-hand hand with that point of uh, number four, the booking did not help Warrior cement himself as champion. They went straight to rehashing a feud uh, with Rick Rude, um, which, like I said, was 
was a massive waste of time when you had the potential of the earthquake for you ready made earthquake was already um making waves in the in the company he they had that that storyline where he taken out hogan and hogan was asking the fans for letters uh to uh to convince him to not retire that could have easily led to warrior uh being uh being the person who slays the earthquake to to really kind of unite the the Hulkamaniacs and and the little warriors and kind of essentially cement himself as as the world champion, uh, but instead he got the the run with Rick Rude, which uh, whilst Rick Rude was was good at carrying the warrior to a great match, it didn't have the 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 gravitas that that a first feud should have had, and then once we got past the stuff with Rick Rude. We had Warrior teaming up with LOD for for a long time in their in their uh, kind of battle with Demolition, and whilst that's essentially a dream match for for wrestling fans around the time, I mean LOD were were the hottest thing uh, in terms of tag teams, and they're teaming up with the the WF champion. It should have been a, a massive thing. It meant that. It did very little for Warrior uh, as champion. It didn't. Uh, he didn't have that that legacy of WF as WF champion because he did little to elevate the title because of the the people who he was put up against. So next um, and point number six, and we're getting to the end of these points uh, soon. Don't don't uh, don't fret. Um, so number six is there was bad timing with real life events and I mentioned this up uh, a little bit earlier uh, that the Gulf War and the aftermath from that uh, really hurt Warriors run as, as champion because he wasn't the, the all-American uh, hero the, the person to slay the Iraqi um, invaders uh, that the WF and that Vince wanted to capitalise on there was only one man for that for that role, and that was Hulk Hogan, and only Hulk Hogan. So when uh, Iraq versus the US was happening in real life, Vince wanted to quickly transition to um, a WF counterpart. Uh, and having Slaughter as a heel and the Iraqi sympathizer, and then Hogan as the saviour of the world, props to uh, Sire over on uh, Chain Wrestling. You'll uh, get a little, uh, a little pop from that. Um, it made all the sense in the world to to transition to that to have Hogan uh, be the, the the guy that vanquishes the uh, the Iraqi uh, sympathizers, and unfortunately, Warrior was a victim of that circumstance. But it, if it was just that that bad timing. You could uh, you could forgive the the WF for, for wanting to capitalize and then going back to the well with Warrior, but unfortunately, uh, then the final uh, the final uh, point I want to make is he had bad attitude problems. Uh, Vince and Warrior were were uh, consistently book, butting heads over things like money. Uh, we've we've spoke about how he held SummerSlam up to ransom and he was uh, no-showing events more and more often and this was kind of a, a death knell for, for Warrior to be a viable uh, long-term and reliable replacement for Hulk Hogan. Uh, had he not had these kind of these issues, uh, these delusions of grandeur, uh, they're there could have easily been a, a timeline where Warrior has multiple runs as world champion and eventually does become that, that guy to uh, take over at the top uh, once Hulk Hogan had left in 1993. 
So yeah, those are for for me the big uh, factors in in why the Warrior Run uh, isn't looked at as as successful as perhaps it could be. Um, and we'll just have a, another quick break uh, before I go into. The, essentially the what ifs uh, and what could have been different for, for Ultimate Warrior uh, but yeah definitely uh, like I said earlier go and check out Pro Wrestling Tees slash The Chair Shot and uh, uh, go and get yourself uh, some amazing uh, quality merchandise and check out some of the, the rest of the content creators here on Chair Shot because they work tirelessly to provide you with, uh, with daily content uh, so yeah go and show them a little bit of love This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Welcome back to Badlands. Um, so let's get into uh, my views on what potentially could have happened uh, had these issues with the Warrior uh, not. Of 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 caused him to butt heads with Vince, not caused him to leave the company, and not kind of stunted his run as uh, as world champion. Um, so I, um, in kind of like a, a different take to these uh, bad lines, I want to actually focus on uh, something um, that that had the potential to fundamentally alter the wrestling timeline uh, for for what I would consider one of the pillars of wrestling law and something that we've covered uh, quite extensively on, on the show uh, in, in other topics. Uh, and it's something I didn't really kind of factor in until... Um, until I, I was kind of working down the timeline of what could have potentially happened um, with with Warrior and uh, being champion. So as I mentioned before, going into SummerSlam 1991, uh, Warrior was embroiled in a feud with Jake Roberts uh, and The Undertaker. And if Warrior didn't have his uh, his clash with Vince over money and attitude and no-showing uh, events, uh, that feud would have continued post-SummerSlam. Uh, and in this period of WWF, uh, feuds were very slow-burning affairs. And with the the three players in this story, this certainly had legs to go on far beyond SummerSlam. So instead of hot-shotting uh, Undertaker into a, a mini-story with, with Hogan uh, and Ric Flair on, on the periphery of, of, of the town uh, scene... I think Undertaker continues in this in this storyline with with the Ultimate Warrior, um, continues with his alignment with with Jake Roberts. We could have uh, easily uh, transitioned to Hogan versus Flair uh, being the title feud, which obviously would have uh, led to the 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 biggest names facing off at, at, at WrestleMania. Um, the match that that we should have probably had in the, the, the WWF and not uh, eventually had some decades later in, in WCW when they were both well, well past their prime. Um, but I think on the undercard of, of, of that WrestleMania, we um, we could have built to, um, to a really interesting storyline. Uh, at Survivor Series, we could have had Jake uh, finally getting his... his uh, his comeuppance from the from the warrior, 
Uh, that then could lead to Warrior versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 8. So you would have WrestleMania 8 headlined by Hogan versus Flair instead of Hogan versus uh, Sid. Then you would have uh, on the undercard um, Warrior versus Undertaker. So now we have to bear in mind that uh, Undertaker had only made his WrestleMania debut uh, the previous year, WrestleMania 7, when he beat um, Stucker. In the original timeline, he goes on to face Jake the Snake, again in a kind of almost a a rushed end to this storyline to essentially cut out the Warriors' uh, role in it. Uh, he beats uh, Jay the Snake, but I think if we, uh, if Warrior is still in the picture, uh, we see the end of something that essentially wouldn't really be acknowledged as a as a thing until two thousand and five. Uh, I think we would see Warrior beating Undertaker at WrestleMania eight uh, before going on to regain that title um, at SummerSlam nineteen ninety two. Um, so yeah, essentially. Uh, Warrior breaks the streak before it becomes the streak. Uh, and again, that, like I said, that's a, a, a fundamental shift in what became one of the biggest kind of stories over the the past 20 years of wrestling since 2005 when, when Randa uh, essentially attempted to uh, end the streak for the for the first time when it was first acknowledged as a streak going all the way through the Triple H's attempts to end the streak CM Punk um, all the way through the the, the, the the retirement matches of Shawn Mackles to Brock eventually beating the streak Roman um, yeah I think uh, this this one event this one kind of a, a match with, with Warrior uh, this one change in the in the in the path of of a one wrestler would have a, a massive effect on the world of wrestling and it's really interesting how these little ripples end up being almost tsunamis of change when it comes to uh, the grand scheme of wrestling something that i really didn't um factor in when i was uh when i was looking uh at the backstory of of, of ultimate warrior and, and how things could have been different and I really wanted that to be kind of the the huge takeaway. I wanted to leave uh, Paul and 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 Ray with that thought and and kind of hear their feedback on it. But as I kind of more uh, delved into um, what potentially could have happened, um, something else really kind of struck me as well. That there's actually a knock-on effect that I didn't originally foresee. And in a similar way that the booking of Hulk Hogan stunted the rise of the Warrior in this situation, but also the rise of of other wrestlers, in a world where Warrior is on top of the WWF uh, for for longer runs, that can kind of stunt the rise of one of the more popular wrestlers in the history of the sport. Um, So I, I have the a feeling that Warrior returning to the top of the card, it kind of takes up a spot that that was filled by one Bret Hart. Uh, he emerged from the rubble of 1992 to uh, go to WrestleMania 9 as champion. Obviously, we all know what happened there when uh, when Hogan politicked his way to leave the show as, as champion. But in this world where Warrior has taken that mantle from Hogan, 
Hogan doesn't Hogan isn't there to politic, but also that spot that Brett is occupying is occupied by Ultimate Warrior. So you don't see that elevation for, uh, from Brett um, from the tag team division to the intercontinental level uh, all the way to world level in the same kind of pathway as it did originally. And then there's also kind of another uh, another kind of a domino effect here and it's, it's really kind of been interesting looking back at this and, and kind of following the the pathways following the 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 strings how these uh into intertwine and interconnect so without that rise of bret hart would we see the rise of Shawn michaels in the same way that we did there's no long-term feud between hart and and uh hbk over the titles no hatred and professional and personal jealousy festering between the two essentially uh what i'm getting at is Ultimate Warrior could have totally negated two of the biggest travesties in Bret Hart's career because there would be no need for Hogan's politicking um, to walk out of WrestleMania 9 as, as champion. But then in the same breath, there would be no need for the the Montreal Screwjob that sees Bret leave the company altogether. And then in, in, in a similar vein, there would be no spot currently for Brett at the top of the division it's a real kind of tangled web uh, and like I said with with no Brett at the top do we see that that rivalry that that drags Shaw Michaels up because we covered it in a in a, a previous show how the the personal vendetta that that Shaw Michaels had against Brett is what spurred him on to be world champion caliber uh, of a wrestler uh, it was wanting to better the the achievements of Bret Hart that, that spurred Shawn Michaels on so without Bret Hart reaching those hearts do we see Shawn Michaels reach those hearts and then uh, the, the final kind of thought I want to uh, end on is we don't see all the politicking of, of Hulk Hogan uh, especially in that in that kind of Post um, WrestleMania um, seven run, where Hogan uh, is trying to kind of relive the the glory years of uh, of uh, the late eighties, early nineties, uh, where he essentially overstayed his welcome. We see him in in uh, in the tarpage at WrestleMania eight, forces his way into WrestleMania nine, then eventually goes away and becomes this huge star in, in WCW after kind of floundering at the beginning. Um, do we see that? Do we see um, Hogan's star power rise again uh, with the NWO? Perhaps, but perhaps not. Uh, it's, a, it's a very kind of tangled, wrinkled um, pathway to to the, the outcomes of, of wrestling, I suppose. Uh, but... This is one um, topic that I would really love to hear other people's uh, opinions um, on. It's um, It's been interesting kind of throwing my 
uh, thoughts out to the void without having the the kind of uh, the back and forth with with Ray and Paul. Um, um, perhaps my views would have been different if if I got their instant feedback and, and thoughts on it. And I'm sure we'll hear their um, their opinions and their views and 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 the the things they agree with and they don't agree with over the next few weeks. But I'd love to hear you guys uh, listening out there your views and your thoughts on this. Do you think I've gone way off track or uh, is there things that I may have missed or is there uh, thoughts that uh, that you agree with, that you disagree with? Let us know uh, on, on the Twitter sphere. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that about wraps up Badlands for this week. Um, thank you for for putting up with me waffling in your ear for the, for the past 40 minutes or so. Uh, yeah, this was a really interesting topic topic by uh, Mr. Toller. It's a, a shame I haven't been able to kind of get his his viewpoints on this. Um, but that leaves me to, uh, for one thing, before we, we wrap up, and that's the topic for next week. And I think I've got um, a very interesting um, question to pose to uh, you, the listeners, and to Ray and Paul, and that is, what if The Rock wasn't a success in Hollywood. So we all know that The the Rock left to be one of the biggest stars in the world and potential future president of the the USA, most uh, uh, highest paid uh, movie star of all time. Uh, What if that flopped? What if that never happened? Um, What would the wrestling landscape and Hollywood landscape be if uh, if the rock hadn't been a success in Hollywood, um, so yeah, that's uh, next week's topic. Uh, all that is left for me to do now is uh, is the social medias, and we are out of here. Um, so you can follow me personally on on the Twitter at Podfather Mags. Um, you can follow um, Mister Ray Cash. And definitely go and show him a uh, love. He's having a very, very tough time of it now. And uh, Ray rants. Um, I love you, brother. Um, can't wait to hear you. Uh, hear you again, sir. Uh, but you can follow him at it's Ray Cash, and you can follow Paul if you want. No, no bother if you don't want. Um, at Ray Encounter. Yeah, definitely go and give Paul a follow. He's, a, he's an absolutely amazing guy. Um, definitely, as I've said earlier, check out all the rest of the content here on Chairshot where um, it's absolutely amazing the amount of top quality content, in not only in audio, but in also in written on the Chairshot.com that, that uh, this group of creators put out. And um, yeah, definitely go and check them out. Uh, but as, as always, we have one rule here around uh, bad lands and that is uh, whether you are formulating a what if a Mount Rushmore or just debating the wrestling topics of the day you must always always use your head bye bye guys Chairshot.com. Always use your head. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.